Hi, and thanks for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. I'm Burke Allen in our studios in Washington, D.C. Thank you to SpeakerMatch.com, our show sponsor, the world's largest online speakers bureau, SpeakerMatch.com. It's part two today of a very special podcast where I talk with my first cousin, Larry Barrett, about the family backstory. And everybody's family has some interesting things in the background. Um, I've been told mine is bookworthy. Maybe it is. Um, I was raised by two parents who were confined to wheelchairs at a time when uh, that was a very unusual thing. And Larry was there for the whole thing, way before I was even a gleam in anyone's eye. And in today's show, we talked to Larry about what happened in that very different world of the 1950s in southern West Virginia, uh, a world that was not made for handicapped folks in wheelchairs, especially in small towns surrounded by very steep Appalachian mountains. So we start the conversation with asking Larry how this young girl who had big dreams was able to access the outside world. Well, the radio dominated the uh, the, the media in those days. And, uh, and Pat, again, did not go to high school as you think of going to a, a, a structure, a, right. a building where uh, education was being taught. But rather, she had friends who were girls who grew up on the street that she did. And, uh, and many of them became her friends. And uh, so she had friends. It wasn't that she was isolated from people her age. Uh, but kids treated her well. Uh, the, the, her friends treated her just like I, you would treat me or I would treat you. Yes, they right. treated her very well. But every during school years, the, when school is on, they were in high school, they were in great middle school or they were in grade school. So, you know, there was this isolation during what was school year, nine months out of the year. And then Pat couldn't get out and play in the, you know, in the parks or anything like that. Even if Pat was with them, it was just friendship about talking and maybe seeing a movie downtown together and stuff like that but they loved her they treated her very well and but there was there was a there was a difference they she was not your high school pal uh from logan high school or the central logan central school so so again it it what what the focus was on Pat is to make to make things uh, available to her. So your grandmother would, in, you know, invite little girls over there to the house, and and, uh, and I'm sure they play games. This predates me, but but uh, what where the family came into play is uh, since. And let me back up one second. So Pat, in terms of her education, there was a, a grade school teacher, Mrs. Skaggs, mm-hmm. and she volunteered to be the teacher who 
presented all of the material, first grade through 12th grade, and worked as a teacher with Pat and tested her as a teacher with uh, over Pat. And uh, so through this one lady's dedication, 12 years, she worked with Pat during the school season on her own time. And Pat was the first person of who was uh, considered disabled in the state of West Virginia that graduated from high school. Pat was a very bright, very dedicated student. And Mrs. Skaggs was the most dedicated, not just teacher, but person that you can imagine uh, who took, who just loved Pat, knew the family. And, uh, and so she, she on her own did this. So, and it, it was a, a, and it was two people dedicated to seeing to it that she received this education. The teacher, Mrs. Skaggs, and Pat. Pat was very serious about her education. And uh, so it, that's the backdrop to how she received her education. And, um, and you know, and Larry, then, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I didn't know a lot of this until she passed away. Because as you know, my mother was, was very humble. Um, there were articles that ran in national magazines and newspapers about her being the first student in the state of West Virginia with a handicap to graduate from high school. There were no, there's no way she could have gone to the high school. And, and I remember that school uh, I actually went to junior high there. It was three stories. It was not handicapped accessible. So it would have been impossible for her to do it. But these articles ran in major national magazines and newspapers. And there were bundles of letters from other handicapped students around the country who talked about what an inspiration she was. Somehow those letters were forwarded from Look Magazine and Life Magazine. It was a it was a big deal. Oh, it was a huge deal. And it, it did serve as an inspiration for handicapped, particularly handicapped children throughout the country. Because again, when Pat was born in the time she grew up as a young girl, uh, 80%, I would guess, of the people in the, in the United States lived in little towns scattered from coast to coast, border to border. Right. So, so none of those little towns uh, had anything that would accommodate disabled people. And if they didn't have a family supporting them, then they, they truly became isolated and alone in the world. And, uh, and that, that I give credit to uh, your grandmother. She was having no part of that. So she, yes, was a very determined and I'll say domineering lady, but she used that power to rally the family around Pat. And I think she made it crystal clear that she would have no part of anybody that uh, would do things and not consider including her daughter, Pat. 
And so, I mean, she was the force du jour behind all of that. When, um, when I think about my mom, I remember her being a big reader and being a big music fan, you know, listening to records and, and reading. And as I look back on it, I wonder if part of that has to do with, obviously education was very important, but those were the things that, that were accessible to her while the other kids were in school. Of course. Yes. And, uh, she did love music and uh it brought the outside world into her the music and and books she was a voracious reader well the uh, again we uh were one of the first families to uh have a television in our homes and uh the way that came about is uh your uncle and larry this kid was <laughs> we climbed those mountains to the very peaks of them and we ran raw car- copper wire with a huge antenna from top of the mountain down to the house. And there was just these little plastic pins that uh, you clipped the, between the two wires because if they touched, of course, you lost the signal. Right. And, and so Pat had access to radio. And early in her life, I'd say she's probably around 10 or so, she had access, not very crystal clear sig- or the picture on your TV, but she had access to television. So unlike a lot of children, uh, she enjoyed not just reading books and going to movies, but she became engaged through the media news in particular by radio and television and she absorbed that stuff uh she she loved to be to think of herself as being uh a part of and not separated from her her pat maybe much like her mother just never saw herself as a handicapped person right her take was uh, there was a moment in time where your mom, as much as she understood the sacrifices others made on her behalf, she decided she was going to become independent on her own, meaning to drive, to take the wheelchair in and out of the car, just the strength from her arms. She could take, she could pull that, the wheelchair, collapse it, put it in the back seat of her car, pull the wheelchair out. And, uh, and she wasn't afraid to ask if she was having trouble getting over curbs and stuff like that. She would ask someone, would you help me do this? And uh, she, she was not bashful about that because she, she sought and she achieved total independence in her life on her own doing it her way and uh i think that's the most remarkable part of the character of her of your mom she was fiercely as an adult independent and she she absolutely would not tolerate becoming a person of uh, of uh, 
a handicapped person. I'll put it like that. She just never, she never saw herself that way. That would have been caving into the disease. And uh, so she, she in her early 20s literally became an independent person who uh, later owned her own home, shopped for her own food, went to the ladies' clothing stores on her own. There was nothing she couldn't do. She took trips across the country on vaca as a vacation on her own. And, and, you know, you think about those kinds of things. And today you might go, ah, well, that's no big deal. This is in 1953, 1954. Um, and it was a big deal. Sure. College. Yeah. She went away to college in Charleston, which, uh, you know, although it's 70 miles away, may as well have been a lifetime away by yeah. the time you crossed over all those mountains. And, yeah. and yeah. again, as I read, I don't want to read too much into it, but as I read history, in the early 1950s, there were not a whole lot of women who went away to college at all in Appalachia. They you know, were raised to be homemakers or maybe take a, a teaching job at best. But, but uh, the fact that she went away to college must have caused uh, our grandmother no sense of consternation. Well, she, that's true. And, uh, do you remember all that? Do you remember when she went away to college? Yeah, I remember I I struggled to sort of understand the dynamics of that. Uh, like most mothers who nurture the child and are, and whether it's handicapped child or just any child, uh, you nurture, you protect and, and I think that the fly in the ointment and, and all of that is, and no one else can do it better than you. So your, <laughs> grand, your right. grandmother felt that, that responsibility to oversee all of the things that uh, Pat, she would think Pat would need for the rest of her life. So it didn't end for Pat when she graduated from high school or went away to school, college in Charleston. It, that's not where it ended in your grandmother's from your grandmother's perspective. So that, that also led to uh, there was a clash of personalities that came from all of that because Pat and your grandmother never understood this, but as she just saw her, she she saw herself as Pat's protector, right? And the person that would make sure Pat was enjoying life uh, as best she could with the help of the family. Pat never bought into that. There was a point where, and she never, she appreciated everything that everyone did for her during her high school, up through high school and so forth. But there was a point where she was, she wanted her independence. And that created a clash of, of personalities between Pat and her mother. Yeah, and that you, you would expect that. Sure. And, and so more on that later, but, <laughs> but, but that was all part and parcel of the beauty of Pat. Uh, she loved her mom with all of her heart, but she was just not 
buying into the program that her mom was espousing. And, she wanted uh, to be independent. She wanted to be her own person. So yeah, absolutely. So that, where does this put you? Because my mom, my uncle Jesse, who we talked about, and your mom were the three siblings. The, you know, they were the brothers yeah. and sisters. Your mom was much older than my mom. You were closer in age to my mom. No, um, right. yeah. But where does that put you? Because obviously you love your grandma. You and my mom are very tight. Did it put you in the middle or were you able to extradite yourself from that that clash of personalities? No, because it, that really, uh, uh, that threat to your grandmother, you know, Pat going off on her own, evolved over time. And so in the beginning, it was just Pat learning to drive. And uh, it was Pat just saying, Mom, I'm going down, I'm take the car and I'm going to a drive to a drive in movie. And that's and again, it's hard for people today to to understand the uh, the difference between the the uh, support that that handicapped people can receive today. And there was none of that back in those days. So there was no Americans with Disabilities Act. There was none of that. No, not not even that was not even a dream at that time. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it came about slowly, and uh, but slowly may have been the timeline it was on, but there was a day certain that your mom knew she was going to break from the family in terms of their her dependence on them to live her life and um and when that happened uh it was a huge clash of all of the members engaged primarily uh, uncles aunts uh mom dad and uh and it and i you, you couldn't escape being uh, were you wanting to or not? You were part of it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you're the so line you know, of fire. I uh, I remember her telling me the story that she had gone to college and had come back home for the weekend um, and had gone to a Logan High School football game yeah. and was placed on the. Um, uh, she couldn't get up in the bleachers with everyone else, so they they placed her right there, uh, you know, on the. Uh, the end zone and another person in a wheelchair was also put there in the end zone right down there on the field. Uh, and it was a guy in a wheelchair, um, who was in his, his late twenties. And that guy was my dad. And I wonder if, if that story rings true, because that seems almost out of a movie. No, that is absolutely how your mother and father met. And uh, interesting about how they met and in your father's stand, uh, the role that he played in Pat's evolution to, to independence on her own is uh, they became very good friends and of course, eventually married. But as when they were friends, your father who drove at the time even though he was handicapped, he had learned there were certain apparatus that you would put on on the steering wheel and the brakes and the gas pedals in a car. Uh, 
-hmm. and, and a person who had no use of their legs could actually drive. And uh, so that friendship led to Stan offering to teach your mom how to drive. With the and hand controls on the car. With the hand controls on the car. And, uh, and, and everyone looked upon that as a, a wonderful thing that Stan was doing for his friend. And, uh, and so, so soon after Pat learned to drive on using Stan's car to learn on, uh, your grandmother uh, purchased a brand new car. And I'm sure your uncle and grandmother and probably my parents helped pay for all of that. But uh, so she had a, that's her first taste of total freedom was she parlayed what your, your, your father taught her driving mm -hmm. into a, a first major step of gaining her independence. That meaning she no longer had to depend upon her, her brother or her sister or anything like that to, uh, to drive and get out on her own and explore things on her own. And, and the more she did of that and had, and tasted it, then the more she wanted it, the more she wanted it. That's right. So the catalyst, uh, maybe the single most important catalyst to helping her gain that independence was your father. And it all started at a high school football game when two people who were handicapped met. And it was friendship, the great friendship from the very beginning. And, uh, and again, it was a great value add to each of them. And my father uh, was a, uh, a kid who grew up in the Depression, um, went away and joined the, the Navy during the end of World War II, stayed in through Korea, came back uh, to West Virginia, had a job offer in Canton, Ohio, uh, right out of the Navy, because he was a machinist in the Navy. And the, the story, again, that I've heard is the Friday night before he was to start work on that Monday morning, he had a serious car accident, went through the windshield, rolled 300 feet down the highway, uh, woke up some days later and his had major spinal cord injury and was never able to walk again after that. So his handicap came about much later in life and he had been up on his feet and was a golden gloves boxer in high school and all that. And, and my take as a kid growing up in that house with the two of them is that he had a much tougher time mentally with his handicap that he was, you know, sort of cut down in the prime of his life. And that was a bigger struggle. Now you knew him as, as a young adult. Does that ring true to you? Oh, that was absolutely true. And, and that would be, you, you can imagine anyone uh, who had such a severe accident and the consequences of, of what happened uh, had to be an, uh, an all, uh, seemingly impossible thing to overcome for your father but i will say this and, and i don't know I, I i would say this would ring true 
most little towns in West Virginia, your father had such dedicated family support and it helped him get through the mental adjustment and helped him gain, get through the physical adjustment and, and made it possible for him to become integrated in his family as just a regular person and they like uh, your grandmother and and aunts and uncles. I mean, they rallied around your father and they had to provide. Pat never knew, never remembered herself as someone who ever walked. Right. Bert, or not Bert, but I mean, your father had to go through not only a physical adjustment, but just as you described, a huge mental adjustment for him. And it was his family that that made it possible for him to navigate through all of that. And what I know about that uh, through records and through conversations I had with him, of course, I, I lost my dad when I was in my 20s. He, um, he joined the Navy in high school because uh, it was World War II got hurt, got his high school equivalency diploma while in the veterans hospital, and then went on to get a, a, a degree. He was accepted to Marshall University and get a degree in, as a watchmaker and watch repairman because he couldn't be a machinist anymore. He needed to learn how to do something while he was sitting down. Well, that's true. And, and you know, he, he again, parlayed that, that opportunity and he, he didn't squander the opportunity. So he literally had his own business as a watch repairman. And back in those days, that was a big deal. Uh, you know, it wasn't uh, digital wristwatches and so forth. These were people who had to be able to take apart a thousand pieces of, of a, some sort of watch or clock and repair it. And, and so you had to be a very skilled at that profession to make that happen and, uh, and make it happen. He did. And it was uh, almost three years that he spent in and out of the veterans hospital as they sort of pieced him back together before he met my mom. Um, and then eventually, as you said, this friendship, because they had this, this common thing going on, uh, turned into to something more than that. And at that point, had my mom ever had, I'm assuming the answer is no, but a, a really serious boyfriend that, that would have clashed with, with my grandmother? No, no, uh, she did not. And again, that was because uh, until she was well through high school, uh, Pat was a happy camper uh, with living at home and uh, having achieved, you know, receiving her high school diploma and she had her friends, girlfriends, who were kids that lived on the street near us. And uh, so I think it was an evolution for her. Uh, she, she at that time probably wasn't thinking of total independence, but she was working her way through that thought process, and uh, which then manifested self when she was oh i'd say in her early 20s so what happens 
in your recollection when the young man in a wheelchair asks the young woman in a wheelchair to uh to be his fiance and to have a a pretty serious relationship because i again have heard stories that 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 did not go over well at the house on high street that was uh that was a dark or a, a, a <laughs> bad place for the family and including stan and his family because stan and pat did fall in love and uh <laughs> and uh they as soon as it became clear to your grandmother that this was happening then absolutely she was determined to stop that and its tracks more of my conversation with larry barrett on next week's show as we wrap up this very special three-part series of the big time talker podcast things turn dark and we find out what happens when my parents who are both confined to wheelchairs decide to go against the family's wishes and get married to one another how are they going to make it how does it all turn out it's uh, it's pretty compelling stuff i hope you're here we do new episodes of the podcast every tuesday and they're available everywhere podcasts are online at uh, apple itunes iHeartMedia, spotify if you like what you hear tell a friend it's the big time talker podcast thank you to our show sponsors speakermatch.com thanks to larry barrett our guest more big time talker next tuesday appreciate you being here thanks for listening now go out and make it a great day bye everybody judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.